Welcome to week three of our Advent series, Embodied Advent. I'm Susan Eaton, and I'm joined today by my good friend, Alex Doliak. If you've ever wondered why, in a season when we're supposed to be focused on the humility of Christ's entrance into the world, we seem to be more chaotic and stressed than ever, you're not alone. Listen in as Alex shares his thoughts about how we can step away from the chaos of the season in order to become unadorned and embrace the simplicity and humility of Christ. Thanks for joining us. Hey, Alex, thank you so much for joining me today and being a part of our Embodied Advent series. I am so excited to be a part of this. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, of course. Okay, so in just a bit, um, Alex is going to share something that he wrote on his blog about three years ago. And I will say this, Alex, I remember vividly the first time I read this. It it struck me in a way um, that I really wasn't expecting. And it may have um, struck some chords in me that you weren't even intending to strike in people, but the Holy Spirit had a different plan, I think, um, and used your words to to help my mind process something else that was going on in my life. Regardless, it's a beautiful post, and I'm excited for you to share it with us. But I would love for you to just tell everybody what what this post is about and what inspired this for you. Yeah, of course, of course. Well, first of all, Advent is one of my favorite seasons of the religious calendar just because I love a focused transition uh, Mm -hmm. where we're focusing on preparing and waiting. Uh, I feel like the world does not encourage that. And so when we actually take the time to focus on what does it mean to to wait, what does it mean to prepare Mm -hmm. spiritually, uh, it's just one of my my most favorite uh, ways to experience growth. Uh, but in this specific uh, blog post series, I was looking at the different candles in our typical Advent wreath. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to understand, like, why are these candles called, you know, the prophecy candle, the Bethlehem candle, etc.? cetera? Uh, what, what was the meaning behind those things? And how did I feel like the meanings of uh, those candles still translated to my life today? And so this post um, about Bethlehem was about the second candle in the Advent wreath, the Bethlehem candle. Um, and it made me deep dive into what did Bethlehem look like? What was the city that we've all, you know, glamorized in our heads? What did it actually look like? And and how does does its characteristics and its, its uh, identity matter to how we treat it today? Mm-hmm. But there was also um, something inside of you that was... I don't want to say railing against, but maybe railing against the cultural emphasis of, you call it adornment, um, dressing up Christmas yes. in such a way that I guess irritated you. I don't know. Is that a fair word to 100%. say? 100%. Okay. Say more about that. I yeah, find that fascinating. Absolutely. I, I don't think, uh, honestly, if you're driving in Hattiesburg on Highway 98 during the Christmas season, raging against is a perfect description <laughs> of everything you feel. Uh, but in reality, it, it, it Christmas time is unfortunately kind of like chaos, I feel like, especially once we hit December. And, you know, when, whenever it comes to Christmas and how we celebrate Christmas, it's one of the most significant holidays in, in our faith. 
but we spend all of our time, all of our money, all of our effort doing all this over the top, gift giving, decorating, all the things, all the events, all the parties. Um, and it takes away hmm. from how important this holiday actually is spiritually, personally to each one of us. Mm-hmm. And so it really made me angry, not so much at the culture, but at myself for not letting myself strip it down to the basics and really understand that that God and, and the power of Christmas is in the simplicity. It's in the, the simplistic characteristics that made up that first Christmas. And it takes intentional fighting against a culture that's doesn't doesn't want you to do that because there's no money in that there's no there's no economy in that there's no whatever you want to call it Um, but Mm -hmm. it really took for me um, a a concentrated effort to to work against the way that the world wanted me to treat Christmas in order to just experience it for myself Mm -hmm. uh, in a personal more meaningful way Mm -hmm. and and Advent we're we're pre-Christmas in Advent, right? We're and we are trying to do like what you say in your post, unadorn ourselves, in right? A sense instead of doing all of the other consumeristic kinds of behaviors to embrace some humility and embrace some simplicity um, during the season, so that we can open ourselves up, create space, make room for receiving our savior the way we need to right right and and it's 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 honestly it's not about you know not giving gifts for people or not going to parties or not Mm -hmm. decorating that's not that's not what i mean but i feel like the way that we go about doing all those things really matters Mm -hmm. and when we let it clutter the importance of, of of christmas and the advent season um, I think that's when the red flags start popping up. Um, and I just, you know, looking back at Mary and Joseph, uh, I mean, their story is is a process of them unadorning themselves mm-hmm. from whatever plans they had for themselves, from whatever they thought their life of engagement and, and parenthood would look like. Mm-hmm. They had to strip that away every single step they took toward Bethlehem. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's a cool picture for us to model in our lives as we approach Christmas we also approach a heightened chaos point for some of us so the closer that we get to it the more intention we should show to to strip away whatever our thoughts and expectations are for for what we've created Christmas to be and to embrace more along the lines of what does it mean that Christ came to us and what does it mean that he still comes to us even today that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well, I'm happy for everyone to hear your post, and um, I hope you all enjoy it as much as I did, or at least that the Holy Spirit will speak to you through Alex's words um, as you open yourself up to him. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, thank you, Susan. Thanks for having me. I love being on here. I'll be honest, the Bethlehem candle is my favorite candle of the Advent candles. The inconvenience and insignificance of the town has always resonated with me. Why would such a historic happening take place in Bethlehem? Why was it the place? I'll spare you all the answers you've probably already heard as I try to steer myself in the direction of other questions. 
What if Bethlehem's being the physical location of Christ's birth isn't really the most important thing about Bethlehem? What if its real importance rests in its characteristics, its insignificance? Let's just face it head on. The story of Mary and Joseph is weird. It's not one that will likely make the Hallmark movie list. Where else have you heard of a young girl getting mysteriously pregnant by the Holy Spirit and an angel coming to her almost husband, assuring him that Mary's legit and she hasn't been sleeping around on him? Weird. We humans have such a curse and a gift for dressing up stories in a way that takes away from their reality. Maybe we forget to consider that the preparations for Jesus' birth might not have been full of joy and excitement. If I were Mary, and especially Joseph, things would have been hard from all angles of the process. Family, friends, engagement, things looked different because of what was happening, and I think they both realized that things would never be the same again. Mary and Joseph's journey to Bethlehem symbolized so much. Each happening that turned them towards the city's direction stripped away something from their old selves and their old lives. They were both pregnant with change, pregnant with something and someone that would bring an unwelcome light into an unwilling world. But it wasn't until the couple were in their most humble and desperate state that the light was born. At an inconvenient time, in a barn suited for livestock, in a city deemed insignificant. The questions for me this week are simple. Have I made the preparations that have been modeled by Mary and Joseph's story? Is the Bethlehem birth story not more of a process than a place? Am I unadorned enough to receive the light of Christ? It might be time to dress down whatever costume we've made of Christmas. Not on the outside, but on the inside. The parts of us that might be too concerned with the event that we've lost track of the preparation. We are not Mary and Joseph, and yet, perhaps we are more than we think. If the road to birthing the change that Christ offers isn't riddled with difficulty and humility, have we lowered ourselves enough to receive it? And are we willing to come out of the end to find that change in an animal's feeding trough? Unadorn yourself so that you may be Bethlehem. Be present in the preparing. Be made low in the journey. I don't think it should be easy. May we all feel the birth pains of the change the Christ story offers because we know the transformative power that is to come. Let's make way for it. The Embodied Holiness Podcast is a ministry of Parkway Heights United Methodist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. If you're in the Hattiesburg area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to meet you and welcome you to the family. You can find out more about who we are on our website at parkwayheights.org. And you can find out more about Embodied Holiness by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Embodied Holiness or by finding us on our website at embodiedholiness.com.